I'm your host, Lee Shulman, and with me today is Dr. Baha Sabai, an internationally recognized researcher and clinician in maternal fetal medicine at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center at Houston Medical School, where he's currently professor in the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences. On a personal note, I've known Baja for the better part of the last 30 years, although he and I both don't want to admit how long it's been, and it's Baja, it's great to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. As we all know, Dr. Sabai is an internationally recognized expert in the fields of maternal fetal medicine, specifically preterm birth as well as preeclampsia, so let's get things started. Uh, a lot of talk out there about progestin uh, therapy for preventing preterm birth. What does the current evidence tell us about the use of progestogens for the prevention of preterm birth in the following scenario? So let's start off with singleton gestations and an unknown or normal cervical length. At the present time, we unfortunately, we don't have any data about if the patient has singleton gestation and she has unknown cervical lunch. So at the present time, most guidelines suggest just to go ahead and observe the patient. And there is currently no intervention to offer to these patients. What about a singleton gestation with a shortened cervix? Again, for patients who have shortened cervix, and particularly when we're talking about short cervix, the available data applies to those where a cervix length was done and somewhere between 10 to 20 millimeter. There is evidence to suggest this patient might benefit from vaginal progesterone. And there are two types. Patient can have, you know, the vaginal cream or she can have the vaginal tablets. Both of these, there were some studies to suggest that are beneficial in reducing preterm birth. You know, what's the, uh, for me, the obvious uh, second question of that is the only way to find that somebody has a short cervix, especially without symptoms, is to do an ultrasound. So uh, in Texas, do you do routine ultrasound? I think this is an excellent question, and this is where the debate is happening currently in the United States. It's not an issue if you are in Europe, because... Almost every pregnant woman, when they do what we call the anomaly scan, they check the cervix, and they do routine cervical length measurement. The problem in the United States is not really routine. However, most centers in the United States, they do what I call measurement of the cervix abdominally. There is some debate about whether abdominal ultrasound is as good. But what we know that if somebody does an abdominal measurement of the cervix, and the cervix is more than 35 millimeter, there is really no need to measure the cervical length. However, there are many centers in the United States who are currently doing routine cervical length measurement. If an obstetrician is faced with this dilemma, where somebody gets a report where the cervical length is somewhere between 10 to 20 millimeter, both the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine currently recommend to offer the patient vaginal progesterone. However, they do not recommend to do this as a routine screening. Let's get to multiple gestations. Clearly, uh, we all know, everybody knows that this is a, a, not just a, a high-risk pregnancy for a variety of reasons, but clearly one that's amenable uh, to a considerable increased risk for preterm birth and delivery. And actually, I remember work that was done when we were both at the University of Tennessee where you were able to show that no 34-week twin gestation has the same morbidity and mortality as a 34-week singleton. So you have a multiple gestation. You have an unknown cervical length. Um, 
what would be uh, the role of progestins, if any, for this one? At the present time, really, unfortunately, all the studies done to date do not show there is anything that helps women who have twin gestation, even though they are the highest risk for preterm birth. Studies have done by the Maternal Fetal Medicine Network using 17-hydroxyprogesterone and two large multicenter studies done in Europe using vaginal progesterone. Both of them showed really currently none of these have been beneficial. However, there is a caveat for this. What we know is that nobody has checked this in women who have cervical shortening. Because of this, I'm aware currently of at least three studies that are being to start. One of them actually we are going to start in the maternal fetal medicine network. It's going to be a multicenter study where women who are twins will have routine screening for cervical lungs and those where the cervical length is less than 30 millimeter. I want to emphasize that cervical length measurement in twins have to be at different cut values compared to singleton. A 30 millimeter or less is equivalent to 25 or less in singleton. So these patients will be randomized to vaginal progesterone versus placebo. And we actually we're going to do another arm, which is they're going to compare it to using a cervical pessary. I know the obstetrics network is going to do another trial, and there is another trial going on in Europe. So we're going to have a lot of information. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD, and I'm your host, Lee Shulman. Joining me today is Dr. Baha Sabai. We clearly have a, a separation. We, we have good data on shortened cervix and singletons, uh, and that's sort of in contradistinction, and, and, and clearly, as you said, the, the intervention of choice is vaginal progesterone. And then you have the woman who's got a history of a previous uh, preterm birth, and that has a, a very different informational amount of, uh, of literature surrounding that. So how should a woman with a previous spontaneous preterm birth be evaluated for subsequent preterm birth? I think this is probably the most important area, and I believe, where we have very solid evidence. Remember what I told you about the cervical legs and vaginal progesterone. There is still some uncertainty about the trials that are being done, and this is why one of the really compounds is not even approved by the FDA. However, when it comes for a woman who has a previous preterm birth, fortunately, we had data now for more than 30 years. However, unfortunately, because there was confusion about the type of progestin that have used in many of these studies, everybody ignored the results when a meta-analysis was done. However, when another meta-analysis, which really meta-analysis, is taking studies and thumb them together, where they only concentrated on 17-hydroxyprogesterone capital weight, in 1991 we were aware that this actually helped prevent preterm births. However, it took for the Maternal Fetal Medicine Network to do the study. And this study showed without any doubt, if a woman has a previous spontaneous preterm birth, and I'm talking about patients who had a baby because preterm labor or premature rupture of membrane, these women, if you offer them 17-hydroxyprogesterone, caproid, there is a significant reduction of at least one-third in the risk of preterm birth. Now, why this is really important, this is probably the least expensive approach we have today because you don't need to charge anybody. It's free. All what you need to ask the patient, did you have a previous preterm? When it comes to measuring the cervical length, the controversy is this is a very expensive 
And knowing the information, it's not only about the expense of doing the ultrasound. It's the expense of repeating the ultrasound, but more important, what do you do when you have an information that might lead to unnecessary? So really, at the present time, I will say, women who have previous preterm birth is the best group of women where we believe that we can have an impact in offering them 17-hydroxyprogesterone. So we clearly have two groups of women, those with a shortened cervix and those with a previous preterm birth. But you and I both know what has continued to be the real problem with preterm birth is the vast majority of women with preterm birth either have no cervical length information, most importantly have no preterm birth previous experience. So this is a woman, even a gravita one, who comes in and has a preterm birth. So should a woman with a current singleton pregnancy without a history of preterm birth be screened for the risk of preterm birth? Yes, they will be screened. There are some factors that increase the risk of preterm birth. But I don't believe we need to do any screening test that could be invasive or could be very costly. So really taking a history of the patient might be important. Like, did she have a, a family history of preterm birth? Does the patient have a lean body mass index? These women are at increased risk. Some women who have certain type of vaginal cervical infection are at risk for preterm birth. If a patient had a previous surgery in her cervix, these are the type of women that definitely are at increased risk. But unless a study will be done to evaluate, you know, the value of routine screening and the maternal fetal medicine network is in the process, probably starting a study like that. We are still are going to depend on the previous history and if the patient had an incidental finding. So you mentioned there was little to no evidence that progesterone worked of any vaginal or, or otherwise. What about cerclage for those women? See, again, the data about the cerclage even is less convincing. Unfortunately, the meta-analysis that was done suggests that it's harmful. I don't believe that doing the cerclage is harmful. I think we don't have enough information because the number of women enrolled in this meta-analysis were only 46 women, and these were subgrouped from different randomized trials. Nobody to date has done really a multi-center or large trial in twins to evaluate the benefit of cerclage. But at the present time, neither the American College nor the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine recommend doing cerclage for, for short cervix. However, we have probably some data promising with the use of the pessary. And as I said, the maternal fetal medicine is in the process of doing a randomized trial to evaluate this in twins. Those pessary uh, data come from Europe, as I recall. Correct. This is a special pessary. It's called the Arabian pessary. It's made in Germany. The pessary costs about $25. You can get it. So really, this is the pessary is going to be tested. It acts both as a pessary and actually a cerclage. It goes around the cervix. And I, I also recall that there is, and you're not talking about this, but a pessary like that that also releases progesterone. Yes. The, 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 some of the studies done in Europe, I mentioned to you, progesterone, they use a pessary, progesterone pessary. But this is not the pessary I'm talking about. This is a pessary that acts like a cerclage also. Well, this, this is clearly a, a difficult scenario for obstetricians and maternal fetal specialists, first to identify and then to treat. So before we, we finish up today, do you have any final thoughts? Yes, Lee, there is no doubt in my mind, you know, that this is the most confusing topic in obstetrics currently. 
there isn't a single week where I had to go over this. Some of our faculty and residents, and they tell me it's confusing. And the main reason is, rather than concentrate to help these women, we have really shifted and arguing about which progesterone to use, which is better than the thing. And when we, and academician actually has confused the issue more. If you really read two experts in the field, you come to different conclusions. This is why I really think we need to start thinking what is the benefit for the patient rather than what the experts are saying. I think every pregnant woman in the United States should receive some type of screening for preterm birth. It doesn't have to be cervical lines. It, it should include a history. And then based on this information, the patient should be offered a very important thing. Lee, there is one thing we really did not address, which is it's generating even the biggest controversy. What to do if a woman who had a previous preterm birth, and we started her on 17 hydroxyprogesterone. Recently, both the American College of Obstetrician and Gynecologists and the SMFM recommend doing cervical length measurement, screening. And this has created a big mess for everybody. So what do you do now? She's receiving 17 hydroxyprogesterone, and she has a short cervix. And you're not going to give her a second progesterone therapy, or at least we don't think so? Absolutely not. However, there are physicians who are doing this, and there are many physicians now who are recommending doing surplus. This is really the area which has generated a lot of controversy. Well, I, I think as, as we come to an end today, I, I think what people really need to know out there is despite all of these good efforts by, by you and others in the field, uh, the one concerning fact here is that we've not seen any reduction in preterm births despite all of the new interventions and all that. And this continues to be a great source of morbidity and mortality for, for these newborns. And uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more that we need to do far more robust research and try to find uh, interventions for the mechanisms of preterm birth that we still just don't really know yet. Yeah, I really I want to emphasize another thing. 17-hydroxyprogesterone at the present time is the only medication that have shown a reduction in delivery between 34 and 37 weeks. All the other randomized trials, they did not show a difference in this. So really what happened, maybe there was a shift from the delivery from being less than 34 to 34 and 37. And this group actually, they consume most of the neonatal intensive care beds and they have a lot of things. The other important thing, 17-hydroxyprogesterone is the only medicine that has been shown a real reduction in neonatal morbidity, such as IVH, such as NEC. This is why I need to emphasize, even though there is confusion, still the results from 17-hydroxyprogesterone caprolate are very compelling in women who have a previous preterm birth. Baha, I want to thank you for joining us here today. You've, uh, I think, clarified a very difficult and complex scenario. And as always, it's great to see you again. Thank you, Leah.